welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we hope you join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30. We are located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After the message, take a moment and visit our website at vcctulare.com. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus has been sharing with his friends over the past uh, several hours for us, several weeks. And he's made it painfully clear to his disciples that he is leaving them. And now he has told them that it's a good time for him to be leaving them. And they have the same response as we have when we feel like, no, 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 you, you shouldn't be going. They don't necessarily think it's a good idea. So he sits down with them and, and explains it. And if you go back and read chapter 13 and 14, if you go on ahead to 15 and 16, you'll notice that Jesus starts to repeat himself over and over. Almost like, guys, I, I really want you to understand this. I really want you to get this concept, to, to understand what I'm trying to say to you today. And he keeps saying, you know, he's leaving, and that is good. And they're thinking, nope, that, that's, <laughs> that's not good at all. There's nothing good that can come from that. I want to go with you. Well, you can't go with me right now, but later you will. Well, why not right now? And Peter basically says, Jesus Christ, friend, my Savior, I would do anything for you. I would die for you. These are things that friends say late at night when they've had a wonderful evening together, when they love each other deeply, and their hearts are are on the same path. And Jesus, he shares their hearts at this point. And he says, I'm going to go away, and and that's going to be good that I am. And in verse 15, he goes and he says, If you love me, you will will obey what I command. Now Peter has already already said, Lord, I love you so much. I will will never betray you or deny you uh, in any way. And this is that good heart that Peter is showing here. And Peter has a good heart. He could, have not, you know, he could not imagine what was going to happen over the next 12 hours as, as we've already talked about him denying Christ. But, but Jesus isn't basing their relationship on what he will do. He knows what he's going to do. So in verse 15 he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I, and I will ask the Father and he will give you, uh, you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys him, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, ironically, I I think the rest of his life, every time he introduced himself, he would say, my name is Judas, not Iscariot. It's a very common name. That's the other guy. You know, I... It, most likely, uh, he, he wrote the book of Jude's, just so you know, side note, I don't know why I'm going off there, but he basically says, Judas says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? 
Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Have you noticed the pattern with Jesus here? He keeps asking these questions, and it's almost like he's not even answering. You know, he gets asked a question, he, he asks a question out, and they respond back to him, and they ask him a question. He just doesn't respond at all. Uh, this is like a, a teacher that wants you to learn something, and they just keep asking the questions, and everybody in class is going, if you just give me the answer, I'll know the answer, I'll put it down in my notes, and when you ask that question on the test, I'll write it down. When I was back in college, uh, when I went back to get my pastoral degree, and we had this one professor. Literally, that's what he did. He never answered a question in class. And it took me about a couple of weeks, and I finally realized what he was trying to do. And, you know, going back to school as an older person, you think through these things. As a young kid, 18, 19 years old, you don't. I, there were so many kids that were just totally struggling because they just wanted the answer. We're like that with God. We just want the answer. Give me the answer so I can repeat it back to you when you ask me the question. He's going, it's so much more deeper than that. And it can be frustrating. He asks, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? He's basically saying, everyone has already seen you. Even the unholy woman who who touched you and she was healed. You showed yourself to her. And we didn't even know. Or that child that you healed. They they were touched by you. What do you mean by this? You have showed yourself to us, to, to the children of Israel. Even to the Jewish leaders who rejected you, by the way, Jesus. And now you're saying that you're leaving us and things are going to change? How are you going to show yourself then? And he says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we, we will come to him and make our home with him. Who did he say here? He said, we. Who is we? We. I love that question. When I, uh, one place I worked, uh, uh, my pastor always asked, because uh, I, I use the word we all the time, well, we, we. And he, he finally looked at me one day and he goes, who's we, Alan? And I finally went, well, me. Well, for Christ, it's totally different. Who is we? Well, us. Well, who are you? He says, I am. Jesus, at least use grammar that I can understand here. This is bigger than our minds can comprehend sometimes. Jesus Who is the Father? Who is the Son? Who is the Spirit? Yet, they're totally separate. You have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Spirit. Three separate beings, yet part of the same. Lord, why are you talking about love here? I'm trying to understand this whole concept. Knowledge here, Lord. Give me the knowledge. I want to write it down in my book. He says, if anybody loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and, he will, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my, not my own. They belong to the father who has sent me. He keeps using the word love. Every question they, they, they ask is answered with agape love. See, agape love is, is, is that, you know, that love that man and woman are incapable of having. This is, this is a godly love, especially since what happened in the, in the garden with Adam and Eve. That, that love is, in, we're, in, we're incapable of giving that agape love. That is the overwhelming love that God gives to us. Now, Jesus is starting to say, now that we have a relationship we are going to go, you know, be able to love God back like he loves us. And you're going to be able to love 
each other like he loves us. We're going to be able to start to love ourselves like he loves us. This sounds kind of crazy in a sense, because I just said we can't have that agape love. Yet through Christ, we can have that love. That overwhelming sense of who God is. You know, I'm still trying to get my love thy neighbor down. You know? Especially when the car alarm goes off last night at 2 a.m. And I, I don't know, the car drives, drives off with the alarm going. So I didn't even call the cops. I was just like, okay, the, the noise is gone. That's fine. But the loving thy neighbor, it's difficult. It seems impossible. Lord, I've been tracking with, with many of your commands. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount thing was great. And the Lord's response is, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Lord, this is impossible. I was really encouraged when you took those Ten Commandments and you whittled them down to two commandments. It's easier to remember that way. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. Lord, when you first said that, I was excited. It sounded so easy. Just love God and then love each other. And we'll all get along. It's that simple. So what you're saying to me is that you want me to love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul. And the Lord's like, no, 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 no. Let's go back to the heart. Let's go back to the heart. You need to get this one figured out before you go on to the next one. Okay, Lord, well, well, I'm trying. I'm trying to act like a Christian. I like hanging out with them. So, so I start to change my behavior, behavior over time, and I start to act more like, like you want me to act and more like them. And, you know, and I didn't know there were so many cool people around. I thought everybody in this world was totally corrupt. And whenever I get around these people, I get this sense of, wow, they're, they're really not trying to rip me off. Well, mostly. If you love me... I'm going to tell you to do something impossible, he is saying. Are you ready? Yes, Lord, we love you. No, you don't. I'm actually going to have to give you that love to be able to love me back. I just want to make sure you're willing to receive it. Well, I am, Lord. We're so quick to respond to those commands, aren't we? Or or respond to Christ in that way. But we're so quick to respond to the Lord. And we're just like, Lord, just give me the right answer. And then we start getting the answers. And Jesus just said, if you love me, keep my commands. And this is, a, this is a test. This is like a criteria. This is the final. It's like an essay. I always hated essay questions. You never knew quite what to write down. And the Lord's sitting there going, I'm going to give you an essay question here. If anybody loves me, he will obey my teaching. Okay, well, so, so what are they? I don't, I don't know. I, I think the pastor listed a couple of them. Do I put those down on my list? Yes, but everything I've said... Everything I've said, everything I did, everything I thought, but, but Lord, that, that's a lot. He's like, not really, Alan. I had the guys condense it down. I had the guys write down what I said, what I wanted you to really know. And in all of that, I've whittled it down. And now I want you to spend the rest of your life like that now, loving me like that. And I want you to love everybody else like that. And I want you to love yourself like that. Well, sure, okay, that that sounds easy, doesn't it? So simple, but not easy. 
Most things that are simple are, are very hard to do. Have you noticed this? When something's difficult, what do you do? You think through it. You think through the process. Uh, I do this when I'm working on projects. Man, I'll, I'll think about something, I'll think about it, and I'll think about it, and I'll think about it. And then finally, when I get ready to do it, I'm like, the light bulb goes off. Bing! I'm like, oh, that's how to do it. And it becomes easy. It's because I thought it through. But when it's easy, what do I do? I just ram myself right through it, right? Because it's easy. And that's when I get myself in trouble. The simple things sometimes get us in the biggest trouble. Because we're not paying attention. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, agape him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. It will not obey my teachings. People can say whatever they want. But if they're not loving God, they're not obeying his teaching. They're not keeping his commands. The Bible even says, watch people. You will know them by what? By their love. If they, you know, if, is their love godly? Is their love conniving? Or is it selfish? Is it always about them? Now, we all mess up and become selfish, don't we? I mean, that's, let's be honest. We all become selfish at one point or another. We all have sin in our lives. But I'm talking about those deep down motives. The thing behind the thing. You know, what you really and truly feel, and therefore your actions come out of that. That's what I'm talking about here. Which way does a, a person lean? Do their, their, the majority of their actions lean toward God or away from God? And then he says, these words that you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who has sent me. All this I've spoken while, while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. Lord, we have a few more questions. He's like, he's like shh. But, but Lord, I got four more questions. And these questions will help everybody. And he's like, no, 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 no. Shh. The peace here. He's talking about calm and tranquility. I'm leaving you calm and tranquility in your life. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. You can't earn this type of peace. This peace is a gift from God. This is something when, uh, that comes when life is crazy and you finally realize this is totally out of control and it comes to sitting still and, and all of a sudden you find yourself sitting still in the middle of the storm. And when it does, you go, this is it. This is that peace that the Lord did, that surpasses everything, that surpasses all my understanding because I know that it is because I should be freaking out right now. But instead, I have peace. How is this possible? And Jesus says, do you love me? Well, I'm loving you to the best of my ability. And he gives you this peace that is so amazing. He goes on, he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. What does the world give? <laughs> we could go on and on for days there, couldn't we? Christ is exactly the opposite of what the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. But, but Lord, you've already said that. And he goes, I know. And I'm saying it to you again because your hearts are going to be troubled. Well, Jesus is really saying some impossible stuff here. And what he's doing, he's really setting them up to receive the Holy Spirit. And usually when you're being set up, you kind of have, you know, you have to worry. You should worry when you feel like you're kind of being set up. 
But with Christ, you don't have to worry about that. See, what we do know is Jesus spent three years with these guys. Three or so, depending on when you calculate everything. And he's going to go away, but he says, I'm not going away. I will never leave you or forsake you. And what allows him to say that? Because in 50 days, he disappears from this earth. And other than the vision that John has in the book of, you know, where he writes the book of Revelation, uh, you know, and, and maybe the possibility if you go in and read some of the Paul stuff, he, he possibly spent some time with Paul. And, you know, G- but Jesus doesn't physically appear to these guys much after this. In 50 days, he's gone. And yet they will begin to understand that he will always be with them. But I'm going away now. But I will be with you because I will be in you. You personally, Jesus. Yes, me personally, Jesus. I will be with you. But you're going to name it the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls him the Spirit of truth. And he's already told us that he is the truth. You see, three in one. Father, Spirit, and Son, yet one in three. Three separate beings, yet one. You will call him the Advocate. But I already told you that I am the advocate, Jesus is saying. You will have Jesus knocking on the door of your heart because you've read it in Revelation, but I'm telling you it's also the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart and also the Father knocking on your heart. He is a part of the triune God. We use the Trinity to describe it, and this really trips up a lot of those people that are, that are sitting there looking through the Bible going, where's the word Trinity? Because the word's not there. That's the word that we use to describe this. And it trips a lot of people up. But throughout the scriptures, you will see this. The Holy Spirit is a person. And and every time I I think of a word to describe him, I kind of minimize him. Uh, Going back to my my father's generation and his father's generation, they called it the Holy Ghost. Well, every time we say the word ghost now, it takes us in a whole different direction. So we use the the word spirit instead. But I can't think of him as just a ghost. I can't think of him as just an essence. And using even the word he is wrong because he's not masculine. See, God is not a he any more than God is a she. In our society, he says, uh, you know, our, our society says, well, God is not a he. Good, I'm glad you got that out of the way because I, I think he's a she. It's like, no, 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 no. That's completely wrong too. And there's some philosophies out there that are literally teaching that. See, God is not a he. God is not a she. So what do we do then? Well, our society makes these Bibles that say he, she. And I can't pray that way without cracking up, you know? Oh, holy he, she. It doesn't work. So what do we call him? It? Oh, holy it? No. Jesus is saying, you know, you, in your language, you put limits on me as God. It's okay to call me he. Just do that. That's fine. But don't think of him only as masculine. Because God is not a he. It's not a she. So Jesus says, he is a person. So he's like human, right? No, no. Because in our view, person equals human. Well, that's not the case. Person means he actually has a personality. It means he's, a, he's an active part of the triune God. Going back to, to verse 16 for a moment, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now, some of your Bibles may use a different word here, like a comforter or a helper, which are, are both excellent words you know, on this. But I want to focus on the word another. And the Greek, the word for another is kind of a weird word. 
It means either another of the same or another of something different. And it's important to understand which one they're using here. It's either another of the same that I've been to you or a totally different kind of helper that I've been to you. Are you you tracking it all? So another is not the same as the other another. Do you get it? Well, let me give you an example. My wife. Now, now, just so you know, I always ask for permission when I use my wife as an example. Okay, I'm lying to you. But my wife will bring me a, a Diet Coke whenever I ask for one. It's my addiction, I know. We can talk about it later if you want to talk about it. Just be thankful I don't drink alcohol like I drink Diet Coke because I'd be a drunk pastor and not good for anybody. So, okay, so... I'm at home, and I'm reading the paper, I'm working on the computer, and I'm all comfortable in my favorite chair. And she walks into the kitchen at the perfect timing. So I say, Lisa? And she immediately says, yes, dear, can I bring you anything? I know how hard you work. Well, I hate to bother you, but could you bring me another drink? Well, would you like anything else with that? And she gets into the fridge, and she comes out with a Diet Pepsi. The marriage counselor says this is okay. I'm not so sure. There's a certain level of disappointment here because it's not a Diet Coke that I'm used to. And my heart is disappointed. Well, what I should have said was, could you give me another or get me another, i.e. the same Diet Coke that I was already enjoying? So that's your Greek lesson for the morning. Jesus is saying, to me at least, I've been a Diet Coke to you guys. And I'm going to weigh, and even though you've, you know, consumed me way too fast, and you're sitting there, you know, late in life, and you're going to go, man, I really miss Jesus. And every time I will bring you another of the exactly the same, another helper, another paracletos, So if you're taking notes, para or para sounds, uh, you know, P-A-R-A sounds just like it, I mean, you write it just like it sounds. And kletos, you can write that any way you want because it doesn't matter. It's all Greek to us anyway. Parakletos. Para means what? Alongside. Parallel. You You know, from elementary, you understand that. Parallel. Alongside. And kletos means to speak. So parakletos is alongside to speak. This is what Jesus has been to you. This is what he's been to them. Only they thought they were alongside to speak for Jesus. They'd spent three and a half years, three years, three and a half years, going, okay, I'm speaking for Jesus. This is why they talked so much. But instead, for three years, he'd been walking alongside them to speak. Now sometimes he was speaking out. And other times he was speaking in. So let's think about this. I'm going to send you an alongside speaker, he says. And because he is the Holy Spirit and he's not limited physically, he's actually going to be all around you. And next Sunday we're going to talk about how he's in us also. But today we're going to, you know, focus on the all around us. Alongside and around us is what, you know, we'll get to today. And he's going to, you know, he's going to be beside you and he's going to be speaking. Well, Lord, that, that, you know, does that mean he's going to be speaking in or out? Lord, is like, in your case, both. Speaking out. 
This is where we get the word advocate, like lawyer. So what this means is he's all around me. I will have a lawyer that is going to plead my case. Whether this is through intercession or whether it's dealing with the accuser, the accuser that comes against me, or whether I'm just being paranoid or maybe there's a conspiracy out there. And sometimes, you know, the accusations are completely true. Alan sinned. You know, see right here, I have proof. Alan sinned. Who does he think he is? And as we mature in Christ, we stop defending ourselves because we have a defender all around us. You are my what, David says. You are my shield and defender. You can tell a mature Christian from an immature Christian by how much they defend themselves. See, immaturity says that I defend myself the way the world does. This is the wisdom of the world. Jesus says, keep moving away from that. You will not have time in your 77.12 years that I'm going to give you on average to defend yourself. You have a defender already. The advocate is all around you. You have a lawyer all around you, and, and you don't even have to pay for him. Well, does that mean he's not very good, Lord? No, he's an excellent lawyer. But what if the accusations are true? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Because you think that, that God only defends sinless people. Don't we think that sometimes? God only takes care of the sinless people? Well, if he did that, yikes! We're all in trouble. Because none of us are sinless. See, God defends the defenseless He defends the sinners. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and as a ransom, a payment for many. The lawyer, you know, said to the accuser, you are corrected, we'll see you in court. My client is actually guilty, but I'm not going to allow you to speak to him. He's going to take the fifth because you're just going to drag him through the mud. We'll see you in court. And the advocate goes right with you to court, And it's not the court of public opinion, praise the Lord. That's enough stress for us, but it's God's court. (laughs) Oh, wait a second, that's a whole other level of stress, isn't it? No, it's really not. In our humanness it is, but not with the Lord. Because God himself walks right into that court, and he stands before himself and pleads the blood of Jesus. And even though this accusation against Alan or against you is true, it's already been paid for. Closed case. Judge says we're done. And the accuser is left angry and spitting and sputtering and all upset. And I get to walk out with the advocate. That is a beautiful thing. And if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, I want you to sit and think about everything that you did wrong this last week. How about this past month? And then you need to start realizing one thing. You know the song we sang, I am free? I'm free indeed. I am free. I am free. That's because it doesn't get pinned on me. It gets pinned on Christ. So I don't have to sit there and wallow in, oh, I'm such a terrible person, because guess what? I'm a terrible person. You're a terrible person. You have sin. And in God's eyes, that is terrible. But guess what? God looks through something. I use this example over and over again. 
I love photography and, and, and you know, you use a polarizer filter on your camera. I can make the sky just look beautifully blue and on certain pictures at certain angles. And people say, well, how do you get that? I'm looking through a filter. See, God makes you look beautiful because he's looking through the filter of Christ's blood. That is a beautiful thing. Man, it makes the color so rich on the film. It makes your life so rich because of that. The Lord has paid for it. And by accepting Jesus into your life and by accepting the Holy Spirit, you're, exe- you're accepting an adversary, or uh, an adversary, an you know, advocacy. You're cushioning the blow. And you will not die as a result. Even though death would really be justice. See, you don't have to live under that accusation any longer. All you have to say is, I accept my defender and my shield. Now, that's not even all of it. Because once you, you know, you're defended and you're feeling really good about yourself again, he speaks into your life what? Encouragement. So you start to, to, to feel better about your you know, predicament in life. And, and, and why is that? Because you start to understand that no matter what hurts you here on this earth, nothing can take away that saving grace in your life. Because he says, I love you. I am proud of you. I paid for you. You are mine. You are mine. And we start to go, you know what? I like that. I am his. I am free. And then he says, I want you to know me even more. Open my word. Read it a little slower, than, uh, a little slower now. And then you will begin to understand what I mean by saying, I am giving you a Holy Spirit. I am giving you an advocate. And when you start to read, you will see from Genesis all the way to where John wrote in Revelation. You will see how they relate. Genesis and John. You will see how Isaiah and Revelation relate and how Esther and Galatians all say the, the same thing in different ways. And that we are his children that he loves so, so much that he died for our sins. And then Bible study doesn't become such a chore anymore. We begin to feel like, man, I just can't get enough of God. And this book that you're holding, the book that you read, you know, it shows us the meaning of life. And that's really what we've been looking for in this world, isn't it? And when we get to heaven, do you think he's going to be saying, man, you blew it down there. I gave you your chance and boy, you're, you're lucky you even got here. See, that's the God of religion that says that. That's the God of oppression that says that. See, he's speaking to us love and mercy and grace, and compassion, and forgiveness. And that didn't come cheap at all. It came from him being on the cross. See, the guy who said these words would pay the price 12 hours later. And he said, I will send somebody to comfort you, to help you, to counsel you, and to lead you in all things. Look at what he says in verse 26 at the end. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said. The only way to learn that is to open up his word. It's to study it. 
The only way to get to a point where the Holy Spirit that is sent in His name teaches you all things and then in the middle of that situation when you're pulling your hair out, He reminds you and then you start to go, this is at peace because I should be freaking out right now. This is that peace that passes everything. That passes everything. Because he reminds us. And the only way to do that is to learn more about him. To get into his word. To talk to people about that. To discuss it. To open up your life, not only to the Holy Spirit, but to others that are on the same path as you. The same path. Let's pray. Lord, we're on this path that sometimes we, we feel like we're lost. I pray that as we run this race, Lord, that you put somebody up right next to us. That you put somebody that's there to, to walk along and sometimes run along beside us. We thank you so much for your comforter. We, we thank you so much for your paracletos. That you're alongside of us and you're in us. We thank you so much for that, Lord. We pray that you awaken that in our life, of, uh, lives as we read your word. As we start to find out who you are and what you mean to our lives, Lord. That that spirit would just awaken in us and just, just go beyond anything that we ever thought we could imagine. Anything that we, we thought we could ever feel about who you are. I pray that you give us that agape love that, that just that goes beyond. Lord, we, we try to love you so much in our own state. And I pray that you help us understand it's not about our own state. It's about you living in us. And that love that just goes, goes further than we could ever imagine. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may it well up from within you because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.